Welcome back to the Better Men, Better Ball Player podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb. I want to thank you for joining us here on another episode, our 34th episode, and with a great friend of mine, Coach John Lowry Jr. So yes, I've had coach, head coach John Lowry on for Jefferson before, but this is his son, Coach John Lowry Jr. He resides in Martinsburg, but has had a, had a stellar career of his own and continues to make great growth and great progress uh, and continue to grow the game in our area and anywhere that he goes. Um, starting from a player, he was the West Virginia State Player of the Year, went to University of Minnesota, was a standout there, was the second all-time in wins with 26 wins, had a professional career with the San Francisco Giants, was also the pitching coach at Ball State, Michigan, Ohio University. He was the GM and head coach of the Winchester Royals, which is in the Valley College Wooden Bat League, the historic Valley League. He was the GM and head coach there. He was also the head coach at Martinsburg High School. It's a AAA high school in Martinsburg, West Virginia. And in 2009, they won the West Virginia High School State Championship there as well as being the former head coach at Mercerburg Academy, which is a prep school in Mercerburg, Pennsylvania. He's done multiple lessons, continues to do lessons uh, with people all throughout our tri-state region. It's the lifelong baseball man and a baseball guy. Uh, Coach Lowry Jr. has had, I've been fortunate enough to be able to call him, have lunch with him, dinner, multiple conversations, and um, half you know, part of the guests that I've had here on the podcast have been directly related to him, especially with Coach Tom Held, Coach Joel Mishler. These are guys directly from, I got to know through Coach Lowry Jr. And um, just can't thank him enough for those relationships and uh, and thank him for our relationship that we have. So, um, it's always been nothing but about growing the game and being better about the game and having the game be better. And that's where he comes from. And so um, you heard a lot of that. Uh, he'll get, he gets into his story. He gets into what he does with lessons, he gets into um, how he's really helped create buy-in and created uh, the, his standards and culture at the different spots that he's been to. Uh, he continues to coach up to this day, even with his son playing you know, big-time Big 12 baseball for West Virginia. continues to stay active and um, be a great member of our baseball fraternity to help grow the game. So just want to thank Coach Lowry Jr., for this time hope you guys enjoy it be ready to take some great notes because he brings out some great information and uh, i'm just pleased to be able to have him here and again just want to say thank you for the relationships that he helps me has helped me grow as well as a relationship that we have that we can continue to learn from each other and keep getting better and keep growing this game so hope you guys enjoy this this interview this conversation great conversation with coach john larry jr Yes, yeah, so I was at Ohio University, and then the pitching coach at Ball State left in, at Christmas time to take a scouting job with the Brewers. And then, you know, those those two guys knew each other, Pat Quinn at Ball State and Joe Carbone at Ohio University, and so he hired me. It's just a, it's an interesting story how it worked out because I got hired um, in January, and then in in May. Pat Quinn said he was um, 
going to retire from coaching. And so he told me to look for jobs, so on and so forth. But for whatever reason, the athletic director did not make the new coach, um, basically made, made the new coach retain me for a year. So the new guy was, was Rich Maloney, and he was really good about – he was just good. I mean, he, he was full bore. He told me, he said, look, he said, you got to be able to recruit. And then we got to be able to help players get better. And he gave me a year. And I think he put me through some tests on, on special in the recruiting side. I think he sent me to see guys that he knew, he knew was, were good enough, but he wanted to make sure that I was seeing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And when I came back, I, I think, I think ultimately I had a, a decent eye for finding guys who were going to, um, who could play for us and then who we could potentially get like, you could go watch all the best guys play and know that, heck yeah, that guy's good enough. But right. he's going to te- he's going to Texas or LSU, you know. So can we find a guy that's good enough or potentially could be good enough, but would come to Ball State, which was um, at that time hadn't hadn't had a lot of success. But after the the nine years of um, we were there, we had five first round draft picks and like twenty three guys picked and. Mm. Although we never did win a, a Mid-American Conference tournament, there was at least three three or four years we had the best record in the league. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was – that told me a lot about – you know, I, I see it even, you know, at any level, it's all relative. Like, you know, I, I see guys who are players that – players that guys won't recruit, and I'm like, dude, you need to recruit that kid because in two years, he's going to be really good. Like he's not good now, but all he needs to do is get stronger and play a little bit more. Yeah. And then he's going to be good. And that's the guy you want. But a lot of guys will just go look for guys that are good right now and can't, can't project on guys. Of course you have to assume, you know, you have to assume some, they have to be able to play a little bit, but especially those kids that are like tall and skinny and, just have need to gain 15, 20 pounds. And that's sort of what we did. The Luke Haggerty was that first kid from, um, from, from Tom held school, Yeah, you know, six, seven lefty and, you know, athletic kid played a lot of basketball, hadn't played a lot of baseball throwing like 81, 82. Mm-hmm. And then we had another lefty just like him, same, same kind of build. Both all of them played basketball growing up. And not a lot of baseball. And once they decided to play baseball and they came and got stronger, you know, they were lefties that could throw strikes and then end up throwing, you know, 90, 92. And both of them got drafted pretty good. Yeah. So that was, um, that was sort of the start of the, you know, of the getting, the, you know, finding those projectable kids. Kids wanted to take a chance on coming to, coming to our place because they knew they were going to get better. Uh-huh. And um, so that's the deal. That's the deal there. And then when Maloney went to Michigan, I had, well, I had thought about maybe getting out at that point, but then when he went to Michigan, I went along for two years and did that. And that was fun. No, no question of being at Michigan was great. And then, but it got to the point where um, we had kids that were six, four and two uh-huh. and um, it was full bore all the time. And so I didn't, I didn't want to do that. So that's when I came back and 
and started teaching and coaching at Martinsburg. So. Yeah. Then how, how long were you at Martinsburg? Seven years. Seven years. Seven yeah. years. And then out of those seven, you had one state championship, got them there. What was that? Yeah, we had, yeah, we were there. We were there in 20 and in, in 208 and lost in the semifinals and in 209 we won. So it was, um, and then we probably had the best team at 211 and lost to my dad's team and they ended up winning the whole thing. Mm. So, you know, we probably didn't have the best team at 209 and won. And then we had, we had the best team in 2011 and lost. So it's just the way it goes. One game knockouts, right? Baseball, man. Yeah. High school baseball yeah. that for sure. Yeah. I'm with you, you there. That. Yeah. I'm with you. Definitely with you there, man. It's funny how that works out. Funny how that works out. So, I mean, from there you went to Mercersburg, you know, what lessons did you like, what, what was the big takeaway there from Martins, from, Mer from Mer Martinsburg to Mercersburg, you know, big time prep school. Yeah. Like that. I had a little bit of a layoff. I took a year off and I coached a year of softball and then oh, I took right. another year. Yeah. I coached. And then I took a, my daughter was a freshman. They didn't have a coach. So I put my, you know, hat in the ring for that. And, that was fun. We were bad, but it was fun. I mean, it was fun coaching my daughter. She was a little leery that I was going to be too intense for the women. <laughs> and uh, she told me about two weeks in, she said, dad, you're doing a good job. And we were literally, we were two and 28. Mm. Yeah, we didn't, we had no pitching, but the girls tried. We just didn't have any pitching. Right. And, um, but that was fun. And then, so Mercersburg came along. I was assistant coach there for that first year with coach Reisner. And that was really fun. That might have been my most fun year of coaching I ever had was coaching with um, um, Carl Reisner and Brent Gift. Those guys had taught at that school for 40 years. They started when they were 23, and they were both about 63 when I, when I assisted them. And we just had a good time. It was, um, it was reasonably laid back, but still, we still had expectations that we were going to play hard and win. And we did. We had good players. Mercersburg was good because we had, we had, you know, you, in high school baseball, and you know, being from a smaller school, like if you have six or seven pretty good players, you're going to have a chance, especially if you have a couple of pitchers. Uh -huh. And we always had good arms and we always had six or seven pretty good players. And we played in a league that was, um, you know, it wasn't ultra competitive, but it was, um, but it was, it was still a little bit competitive. It was, um, so that was fun. It's it's that's a different place though because those kids do so many other things. Um, they play three sports or they do they have performance group activities like they do something in the fall, they do something in the winter, they do you know they play baseball in the spring. You know dinner was always at six fifteen, so we could never run practices you know more than a couple of hours. Mm -hmm. But that's I mean that's just the way it was, and that that was that was a good time. Um, end up coaching. Kids that were, a couple of them are playing at Naval Academy now. Kid that played at St. Joe's, we saw him last year at um, down in Myrtle Beach when um, when Bo was playing for you know WVU. They played against each other. That was fun. Had um, kids, you know, kids that didn't play baseball were going to Stanford and Cornell and just 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 cool places. And um, so we had a good time with that. And then. 
did that for three the three years we were there. We we had won the the Maple um, the Maple Conference all four of the years we were there. The Mid Mid Atlantic Prep League, and then um, we were in the state semifinals the one year we got to play Penn Charter one year in the quarterfinals and beat them at Penn Charter. That was a fun that was a fun game. Um, you know, up there playing against the schools from Philly, they didn't. You know, you bring it. You know, Mercersburg out in the middle of nowhere. And, and we come up there and they're not expecting to lose and we end up beating them in extra innings. Mm. And then we, um, Perky Omen and I'm, the names are escaped. There's several of those schools in Philadelphia that always have good players. I think one of the teams we played in the semifinals had like six division one recruits. Wow. We ended up lo losing to those guys. Um, so did that. And then then Bo went to Morgantown. And we started watching them play and yeah. uh, went, went to every game that we could um, the first, his freshman year. And last year during the COVID spring, you know, the COVID year, we watched this, we saw a couple of them. And then um, obviously the season was postponed and um, we did, I don't know if I've told you this, but the COVID break was cool in a lot of ways, just from a, from a family standpoint, everybody was here, but, my youngest son has a weight room in our basement uh -huh. and there was no weight room, no weight rooms open, you know, anywhere. So we had, you know, chased a lauder lifting at our house from James Madison, who very well could be the first player pick in the country next year. Uh -huh. um, Austin Bowman plays at Rice. And then um, um, Randy Dobnik, who pitched for the Minnesota Twins this year, won six games. He, um, he worked out with us a lot. And those guys would um, they would lift and they would go over to the high school fields and you know take batting practice. Bo and Anthony Salmonelli from from Virginia Tech from Millbrook High School, they would go over and pitch to those guys, and then some of the high school kids would catch. So some days there was eight, ten, twelve people out there. One time it was even so there were so many people out there that one of them said, "Hey, you guys got it. there's too many people out here. It's too much." You know, with the COVID stuff, they were sort of paranoid about. Sure having so many guys, but it was just guys wanted to take a bath. Jared Carr, who went to St. Joe's and plays at Shepherd. I mean, St. St. James. St. Joe's. St. James, James, yeah. Yeah, so he went to St. Yeah, that kid's good. Kid's really good. Uh, yeah, he's um, he's really good. Actually. Yeah. So it was just fun to watch all those kids play. Oh, and, yeah. then, and then I coached, I think I told you that I coached the, the Aces this fall, and that was fun. And um, I may probably most likely I'll do that next, again next summer. So, mm -hmm. okay. So, like, and then sprinkling in there was the Winchester Royals, you know, being the, yeah. the GM and head coach there. Like, what was like, how do um, you go about like uh, ranch recruiting players that in that in that way as well? Well, that was that was relatively close to the time I had just gotten out of college, so I had okay. a lot of a lot of relationships. And so, between the relationships I had and the relationships the Royals had, I think the one of those years, and I'm not sure exactly, there was 12, 12 pro players um, off of one team, um, not all in the same draft class because some kids were freshmen and some kids were um, were sophomores, but. They there was twelve pro guys, and then Josh Edgen, who went to Mercersburg, mm -hmm. um, was on one of those teams. Tyler Thornburg, who um, has been on the Red Sox roster, I think he was up and down this year some. 
and then another kid from Vanderbilt, and his name's escaping me. He pitched in the big leagues a little bit with um with the Nationals. So we and then we just had a lot of kids that had been drafted. I got to see some of them up in Hagerstown, you know, when they came through the um, the South Atlantic League. That was really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so just developed, you know, the relationship we had. I mean, when you when guys are sent out in the summertime, they want to know that they're going to get at bats and they're not going to get hurt pitching. Mm-hmm. So I think you know the guys trusted me to the to um, to do that. And, you know, although it was important to win, that wasn't the only thing. So, you know, we wouldn't ruin arms. The only, this is the only, uh, um, the only night I pitched a kid too many pitches was the night he was throwing a no hitter. Um, Jake, Jake Schumann from Auburn was throwing a no hitter against Covington. It was the bottom of the ninth inning and Jason Kipnis came to bat. And Jason Kipnis hit one about 440 feet to break up the no hitter over top of the, it was one of those, uh, it was one of those fields where the, the football field was like in the outfield. So the oh, press yeah, yeah. box was straight away center field, like Berkeley Springs. Like Berkeley or, Springs. Yeah. 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 So he hit <laughs> one over top of the press box and then that's when we had to take him out. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but coach Slater was not too happy, but. I think he got over it because I said, man, the kid was throwing a no hitter. <laughs> right. It wasn't like he was throwing a no hitter, 140 pitches. Right. You know, it was like 105. Yeah. And this was 10 or 12 years ago. Let the guy see what happens. But, right. So, yeah, you've so. seen all that. You, you've been all those different levels and, you know, you're now making your way and you've done different things in the summer. How do you go about still helping kids get better in the summer? Well, I mean, you know, the summer is, um, is, is um, a different animal yeah. from the standpoint that it's a, it's a lot of times it's showcase. So, you know, some of the things we might do to score more runs in a regular game, they don't necessarily do in a, um, you know, in a showcase game, hit behind runners, take three and oh, you know, do some of those kind of things. But we, I, I wrote the word down the number of some of the notes, like, these guys aren't, they aren't aggressive enough. They don't play aggressive enough. Like they don't try to take an extra base on a, you know, a, a single that's hitting the gap and, you know, they don't run hard out of the box and try to try to stretch a single into a double that I think because they're afraid to fail. So I, I, that's all I did this fall. I said, look, I don't care. Like I am not going to scream at you. If you try to stretch a single into a double mm-hmm. in a game that nobody's really caring whether we win or lose or not, I just right. want to see you be able to play aggressively. You know, you can't be afraid to fail. And I think you learn your limits by, by being aggressive. Right. I mean, it's just, but I don't know in today's day and age, it seems like if you fail, it might show up on some social media or something, or they're all scared of that or, you know, mom, mom or dad might get on it. Why did you try, why did you do that and make it out? You know, it's second base. And it's like the coach is wanting us to play aggressively. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to, you know, get good dirt ball reads. We want to, you know, throw the bases aggressively, you know, and not just, just be aggressive. So that's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to, you know, get guys to do. The guys that I don't like know extremely well, you know, I may only coach for five or six weekends, but, um, I think, I think college coaches, they like seeing that kind of stuff. They like seeing kids that'll take some chances and 
or not, aren't afraid to to go after some stuff. So that's what I did this fall. I don't know if that. Hopefully, that's the right thing. I mean, I, you know, um, we did finally get a kid to stretch a single into a double, and we celebrated that. Yeah. And um, so we have fun with it. That's good. Yeah, I think that's what half the thing is just being able to celebrate, like you said, praise what you want. And <clears throat> typically, kids will just rise to that. So it seems like you're just you know really teaching the mindset and things like that to what you're doing. Um, even just yeah. to compete, like how are you? So like besides, uh, you're just kind of I guess you're praising the things that you want. Um, you know, when you think of com- competing, you know, because especially you know it's just a different thing. How how have you got your guys maybe to compete? You know, during that summer summer session. Uh, summer ball, you know, when you're not really able to, like you said, it's, it's just really trying to teach of the mentality of it. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, because sometimes it's, it's almost too laid back the yeah. competition, right. you know, I, I, I think as, as coaches, you just, I mean, you gotta, you know, have the expectations and bring it and bring it each day and just try to, so whatever you think is valuable or whatever, I mean, maybe it's something they think is valuable, but, uh, you know, celebrate those things and just keep, keep reinforcing the positives. And then maybe if something goes not the way you want it, I mean, you have to instruct it, but I try to like, I don't know. I mean, I, I'll, I'll certainly coach them during the game, but I'll try never to, I'll never, I'm not, like I'll try not to yell at them. I mean, I know every once in a while you get excited and you might say something, but I'll just take some notes and then we'll talk about it after the game and then hopefully we'll remind them before the next game, hey, this is what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want them to be like, you know, compete when they're at the, you know, at bat. Compete when there's runners in scoring position. You're going to drive them in. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to hunt fastballs and put the, you know, hit the ball hard somewhere versus – you know, see a lot of kids strike out looking, you know, especially runners in scoring position. I'm like, what are we doing? I mean, let's, let's get going. Let's get, you know, let's hunt a pitch and get it in play. The very least swing don't, you know, we can't be striking out with um, runners in scoring position and just trying to keep reminding them on that stuff. Um, You know, hopefully they're, you know, trying to get, understand what, what, what's happening. I, I do think, I don't know if competition is the right word. I, I do know an amateur ball, one night you'll see somebody throwing 88, and the next night you might see somebody throwing 78. Mm-hmm. I think that confuses kids. So they have to understand what they're seeing and try to get themselves ready mentally to hit before they get in the box. So, you know, obviously 78 is going to be a lot different than 88. Sure. And um, so just get their minds right and just try to keep – keep reminding them what they're trying to think about. And then, you know, if you're in a, you know, you're with a real team and you got your own guys for, you know, three, four months at a time, you can certainly pound that in even better. But um, it is difficult when you're with guys for only five weekends at a time and you don't have really any practices and, you know, you mean, you you know, all that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, that's understandable. And that's why I just, you know, because you, cause you know, I mean, you know, as a recruiter, I mean, you've recruited all these, you've recruited the division one level. I mean, like you want to see certain kids compete. You want to see certain kids play aggressively, you know I mean? So, and it's like, you know, how, how do we help get those kids there when we might only have them for five to six weeks, you know, or then in the summer when you're, you're trying to, you know, cause I know you like, you want to take as many pitches as you can offensively 
you know, and you have that, that philosophy there, but are you still taking that philosophy in the summer, you know, are you still letting guys or let guys do their own thing or, um, yeah. what's, what's the balance? No, 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 they got us and they got a swing in the summertime, right? right? They got to hit their way off. You can't, you don't bunch away off the Island, right? You gotta, you gotta swing. And that's, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. We would take some pitches maybe in a, in a, in a regular season, like we said, but in, in, in the right time, but then there's times where you got to be aggressive. It's just a matter of understanding when, what, when, when, you know, what time is what, you mm-hmm. know, and then be able to, I want to score runs. Right. And I'd like to see him not get, knock them in, but if a guy's not throwing strikes, you know, and then we need to probably take some pitches or if he's spinning up a you know, a, a bad curveball, we got to get hit by a pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and try to try to win that freebie war. So all the stuff we see on the internet all the time, just trying to get a coherent message to the kids, you know, so they buy into it and they know we can win, you know, win as a team because we do, we don't have to, we don't have to hit 600 to, to, um, you know, to score a bunch of runs. We can score runs other ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. So, and, and then, so most of the time, and you're still doing lessons, you do lessons here and there. And uh, I know guys that just personally reach out to you, especially just because they tr- fully trust you. Um, so mm-hmm. like, how, how has that changed throughout the years? I know we've been talking hitting a little bit, but like, you know, you think of pitching and things like that when you're trying to develop your guys, because I mean, I'm sure pitchers come all over to work with you. Um, mm-hmm. How was, how has how that kind of changed even from a lesson standpoint, as well as like, when you're trying to grow your pitchers when you have them in the summer and the fall. Yeah. So, I mean, I've done instruction on and off. Um, it's, it seems like, you know, 10 or 12 years ago, it was going pretty hot. Um, we're doing, you know, doing some velocity development things, trying to blend it's sort of hard to do it in an hour, but you know, once a week, but then we started to go into some group workouts where we had multiple kids more than a couple times a week and, um, you know, and put some, some velocity development protocols in there, especially in, you know, January, February preseason. Um, you know, now, now it's been, you know, I'll, I'll have some kids, you know, just one at a time and they all seem to want different things. Um, mm. So, you know, some will want just a mechanical adjustment, um, you know, just just another set of eyes to watch them. Hey, watch me throw. What can I do to, you know, become a little more consistent throwing strikes, maybe throw a little bit harder. Mm -hmm. So another set of eyes helps them. Maybe just somebody that they might, I don't know, for lack of a better word, have more credibility. I don't know. That's maybe, you know, somebody's told them one thing, but they just want to get a second opinion. Sure. Um, some of some guys, some guys do want velocity development. We'll do some of that stuff. It's hard to, it is, um, it's hard to do that again, just one hour, one time a week, but we'll, we'll, we'll add in some of the components of driveline, um, some of the pre-throwing, some of the post-throwing stuff. And then I'll always direct them to, Hey, if you want to learn more about this, you can go, you know, here, here, and here. And, and, and find some more information or I can send it to you. Uh-huh. Um, some guys will want, a lot of guys I've, you know, been able to help with just, just some pitch development stuff. Hey, what, you know, how are you throwing your change up? Let's, you know, what does this feel like? You know, 
And we've had, you know, several kids who, you know, maybe take the ball out of the palm of their hand on a change and move it out onto their fingers and, you know, do a little bit something different with that. And all of a sudden they have a pretty good usable pitch, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially developing that third pitch. Um, you, know, you can get away in high school throwing two pretty good pitches. Oh yeah. But when you Some go to, them. when you go to college, you probably throw one pretty good pitch, right? Yeah. Um, but when you go to college and it's really, regardless of what level of college you go to, I mean, to be able to throw the third pitch, um, is going to make all the difference in the world. I mean, it's going to be the difference between being a starter and a reliever, you know, right. being a yeah. weak, you know, yeah. Being a I dude, mean, being a dude and being a guy and reliever. That's, that's, def- that's a difference there. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there, there are dudes that do relieve, you know, some staffs are just so many dudes you got to relieve, but, um, you know, the guys that can really, really pitch, um, you know, say the guy, you know, they always said guy knows how to pitch. Well, right. Really, to me, all the guys knowing how to pitch is can throw three different pitches any county once. Mm-hmm. You know, so nobody's nobody's sitting on just sitting on pitches. Can you throw a three-two changeup to a four-hole hitter with the bases loaded? You know, can you spend breaking balls? You know, early in the count to a hit guy that's probably not going to swing at the first pitch breaking ball. You mm-hmm. know, can you locate your fastball? You know, in the four quadrants for the strike zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are all things that and then um and so your boy does that really well you know and your guys so what what kind of what kind of things do you do when you look for those kind of things you know you're you know very smart you know and and you have done this thing like what how, how do you develop that that pitch ability so i i think pitch ability th- i think the best thing that we ever did with our guys our younger guys and it really both too, is we never called a pitch. So, and I'm talking from 13 years old on. So we never called, I don't even know, I never called a pitch in high school at Mercersburg either. We called them some when I was in Martinsburg early on. But um, so I want, yeah, they're going to make mistakes. They're probably going to throw a change up to a nine hole hitter who's, you know, it speeds his bat up. And we'll talk about that. Um, maybe pre, you know, if we're talking, we're playing real games and we're want, you know, championship, we'll have talked about who we don't want to throw, who we don't want to speed bats up. But I want guys to th- throw pitches, um, multi, you know, change ups, breaking balls, you know, fastballs, so that they'll develop them and they'll trust them. And I think a lot of times, well, we've heard this. I mean, how many times? So you, you got a kid in high school who is 88 to 91 with a pretty good breaking ball. So in the high school season, he'll never throw a changeup. Right. And the high school coach will be, well, why would he ever throw a changeup? He doesn't need to throw a changeup. Mm-hmm. But if you're thinking long haul for this guy, he's going to need to throw a changeup in six months when he goes to this good D1 school. Mm-hmm. And it would be better served him. It would serve him better to be able to do it now versus having to learn it in six months, sure. you know, or let him do it all the way through his high school career. So that, that's ultimately, I mean, I, I love to win. Don't get me wrong, but if a kid can throw a good changeup and in a good breaking pitch and he throws, you know, pretty good velocity, he'll still win in high school, even if he does throw his changeup. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, you know, so that's that's the way. I just let them make them make them throw it, or let them throw it. And you'll be. I I mean, I I found that when you let them call their own games, and you say, hey, you need to throw 15 changeups today, they'll throw them, mm-hmm. and you know, and they'll get they'll know, they'll start to learn when to throw them and when not to throw them, and you know, maybe when they give up that, you know, that two out double to that nine hole guy that can't hit because you throw him a change up, he won't do that next time. He'll, mm-hmm. he'll learn how to, you know, not to do that. And, t- so, so, and you go let, out your way let and make throw it. it. And, you know, and. Now I was saying like yeah. that, it seemed like you we had go that out of our way to. Yeah. yeah. You got to throw these pitches because it's going to help you down the road. Right. I mean, it might not help us so much today. I mean, but it's going to help you get better for your career and your longevity mm-hmm. or your ability to pitch at the next level. And again, if you have good, good pitches, um, if you have a good changeup, you'll get bad hitters to swing and miss a bad, a good, a good changeups. I mean, this one, you know, they won't hit them. So, um, so let them do it. That's, that's let them throw it. And, and then, then have that conversation. It sounds like you, you also have those conversations the, I mean, after the innings, right? Too, right? Sorry. Right? Yeah, yeah. You definitely have those conversations I mean, like in between not, innings, I mean, like why'd yes. you throw this or what what were you thinking here? Yeah. With, without question. And then you know, they use sometimes they have they say things that you haven't even really thought about. You know, mm-hmm. they have they have reasons. If you got kids who are just you know, that are halfway intelligent or just out there, just aren't just chucking the ball, you know, um, they have reasons why they did it. And, you know, I just try to get them to think about like, you know, make sure, you know, in big, big situations, you're, you know, you're going to, they're going to hit your best pitch. Um, and with the change up, I don't like it to, unless it's a power, power change up. It's more of a, it's a pitch you throw in fastball counts. Um, there are some guys though that can have changeups will strike people out with them. I mean, there's no question about that. So mm-hmm. I mean, that might be their strikeout pitch. Um, you know, I, you know, I don't know, you know, lefty on lefty, you know, usually the sliders want to get the lefties out. You don't necessarily got to throw them a lot of changeups, but sometimes that works too. It just depends. Now you, you know. typically like what you want, do you like look on these guys during bullpen work and that's when you're going to kind of help them figure out what they have or this conversation you just have with them. Um, you know, what are you kind of basically having this conversation? I'm sure that it seemed like you, you like to prepare them definitely before the game. And then during the game, you have those in-game talks, but are you talking to them? Okay. You're a, you're a slaughter guy here. So you have that conversation in the bullpen. Yeah. I'll be, you know, bullpens in the middle of the week or even before the game, if we have some sort of scouting report, you know, we've seen a team play or, you know, all the things that guys do, if we've seen them play or we know, we know certain hitters are, you know, we don't want to let certain guys beat them. We might talk about, you know, a pitch sequence, but mm-hmm. for the most part, they're still going to, you know, we're going to let them, let them do it every once in a while. It's really more to throw the second every once in a while, you know, I may say something to the catcher is, Hey, let's throw a change up here. You know, it's a good it's a good count to throw it. It's a good hitter to throw it to. We might not have, you know, might be nobody on base or something. You know, especially if they're developing a third, developing the third pitch. So, 
you know, let's, let's, let's go ahead and get that in right now. And that's about the only time I would ever call, you know, call pitches. Sure. So your biggest thing about trying to develop guys, you know, you think, you think of just allowing them the, the freedom to fail, you know, and the freedom to fail, being able to call their pitches, yeah, have those conversations correct. with them during the game, as well as then, you know, before the game. Yeah. Um, so are you big, are you a big, like, so especially when you do lessons and all, are you, are you getting guys on the mound? You like guys to be on the mound, have a lot of bullpen work. You like being on the bullpen? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what they want. I mean, they want to throw a lot to, to catchers. So, you know, we'll have them, you know, stretch out, um, do the crossover symmetry or jagger bands. Usually we use crossover symmetry. Yeah. You know, do some shoulder tube, play some long toss, you know, get on the mound, throw to catchers, throw 15, 20 pitch sequences, take some breaks, you know, maybe have a discussion in those breaks, take two minute breaks or whatever. So it's stimulating an inning. Um, and then we'll do post, you know, warm down stuff with some of the um, some of the crossover symmetry things, or even some of the driveline post throwing um, stuff with trampoline. Just some, you know, some warm down stuff. And then, um, but yeah, I mean, the guys guys will come to lessons. They want to throw on the mound to a mm -hmm. catcher. So I usually always have my son out to catch my youngest son and. That seems to work pretty good. It takes, you know, usually it takes a good hour to get it get it all done. Sure. And, um, you know, some come back for weeks and some just come once or twice and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and is that something like, have you seen, like, is it, is it really changed over the years? Like, is that something like, I mean, having a pitching coach, you know, uh, hasn't always been something that people ask, you know, and, um, and now it's something that people do ask, you know, I, I yeah. even had a college guy last week ask me like, who's this guy work with pitching wise, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, that's a, um, that's an interesting topic from, from the college side. And then, you know, it's the high school coach, especially to, you know, cause you know, the high school coach starts saying one thing or says something different and they don't, they don't necessarily totally buy into it. That becomes an issue. Same with the hitting guys. Yep. Um, I, I really don't like, like I don't have from a, so I'll ask when guys come to me, I will ask what, like specifically what they want to work on, what other people are, are saying, is potentially what the, what issues they're having. I will all for first when you'll know what I'm talking about, but like, I am always asking when's the last time you pitched and when's the next time you're pitching, because if you're pitching tomorrow, there's no sense in doing this lesson. Sure. You know, if you are pitching, so we try to put them in the middle of when they thrown and, and most times right now, they'll throw on Saturday or Sunday and then they'll pitch again on Saturday and Sunday because that's the way the schedule's laid out, but I would never like, you know, I don't, I haven't worked with guys in season. I would nor, nor should you. Um, so, but I'm always just trying, so I'm, I'm trying to get what, get where they're coming from. And then, you know, I don't think like, I, I don't try to do things. I don't, I don't do any just random um, crazy 
off the wall, like the stuff that nobody's ever heard of. Everybody's heard of the stuff we're trying to do. I mean, mm-hmm. we're trying to get the ball down or get the ball up or trying to spin the curveball hard, trying to make the change up 10 miles an hour slower, trying to have good arm action, you know, trying to get your body going towards the plate. So like, like the stuff I would be telling is not, you know, not controversial at all. So, mm-hmm. um, so I don't want to, I wouldn't want to get enough. And then and also hopefully sometimes I would even know the coach, you know, maybe the coach is even the one who recommended him. So, so they, they just want another set of eyes to help them out. But yeah, who's their, who's their guy. And that, be, that can become a, that can become a strain. I've seen a lot with, with swings, you know, guys are taking all these lessons and then they come to the high school season. They can't hit. Like, what are you doing? Like, why? I mean, you're supposed that's supposed to make you hit, not you know, you need to be able to hit. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, there's, like what you were saying though, is the difference between throwing and pitching, there's difference between swinging and hitting. You know, there's a, yep. there's, a there's a lot different. You know, you I think you see some yeah, guys I mean, that are like you said, you're trying to teach pitching. You know, yes, with developing some arm strength, and of course you've got to have certain arm strength, and at the same time, it has to be on the same hitting side where like. Yeah, we're trying to develop you as a hitter and hit the ball harder, but at the same time, like, there's got to be decision making. There's got to be part of hitting. There's got to be some mentality. And, like, you're going to just hit, I'll hit the ball. You're not going to get beat today. Like, that's just, that's all part of it, too. Right, right. Yeah. You might need to, you know, take a two strike approach when there's two strikes or, you know, you've got a guy in scoring position. Let's, we got to make sure the ball gets put in play. Can't take that, that big ass swing and swing and miss we've got to get the ball in play so you know that's all usually the guys that are practice a lot of hitting usually can hit so you know mm-hmm. there's a correlation typically between practicing a lot and being able to good hitter it doesn't happen a ton but every once in a while it happens yeah so like you've, you've talked about like basically a typical lesson you know for you um have has, I guess I, I guess I wonder because I know I've 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 came to lessons and watched you do lessons. I remember when your son was doing. We first started doing some plyo care stuff. Like, um, how has those things kind of evolved for you over the years? Has it always been like a like a warming up to throw. I know you had like you've had the shoulder tube for I know a long time, um, and you said that kind of went away for a while. And now mm-hmm. it's coming back with Bauer and stuff like that. But I mean, how how has just just the like what a pitcher's workout would look like, not necessarily just a lesson, but like how has that changed over the years? And what have you seen to kind of stay true over the years? Well, I mean, so like there's so much more, I think arm care things that are going into it, into it now. I mean, the driveline, you know, X2 athletic, all, I mean, all that stuff is sort of just taken over. Um, I think you need to, I mean, and I, I think it certainly helped guys throw harder. I mean, there's no question about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think you, you need to be, well, if, if you're a coach, a young coach now, you know, and you're getting into the game, you need to be aware of all that stuff. And then, you know, you got to implement it um, in a way that I, I, I do think that it's going to help your arm become healthier. I mean, all the, you know, we used to, you know, probably when I was, uh, when I finished coaching, it was like the sand can was the, was the thing, you know, for the do your rotator cuff stuff. And, 
I don't even know if we did a bunch of band work. I mean, we probably did some stretching and, you know, some long toss and, you know, maybe some, a drill sequence. And then we went into whatever PFPs we were pitchers fielding practices or whatever kind of other stuff we were doing, um, getting ready to throw in the inner squad. Um, so I think, you know, between Jagger and driveline and, you know, a multitude of other groups. I mean, I, I do think there's more emphasis on the warmups, um, the cycle of throwing, you know, how much you're going to do, whatever heavy ball throwing you're going to do. Um, you mean cycle much, as in like a yearly cycle, like depending well, on where this, you're at or like the day, yeah, of, the, or, like day of the week? Or the day of the week. I, okay. I'm thinking more of a weekly basis right now. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, it was like what you said is like, okay, when are you throwing and when – well, when did you throw? When are you throwing? That's kind of like the cycle. Right. Okay. And so, yeah, I mean, so like a, a typical college, you know, that's probably what I know better. I mean, those guys pitch once a week. So, you know, what is, what is their throwing look like the day after they pitch? You know, relievers are different than starters. Um, I don't know all these things. Like, I, like so I can't speak um, 100%. You know, I, I've watched – you know, I watch a bunch of good college teams, you know, see what those guys are doing like every day when they come out. I mean, so, you know, if you watch TCU or West Virginia or Texas Tech or, you know, those guys, they'll take they'll take batting practice. But then all the pitchers are going to go down to the right field corner, left field corner. and They're going to do all their band work and then they're going to, you know, play catch. Um, some are going to play long toss. Some are going to do flat ground stuff, do some touch and feel. Um, relievers are going to do a little bit more touch and feel flat ground than the starters. Um, you know, some guys are going to use crossover symmetry. Some guys are going to jagger the shoulder tube. I mean, you'll start to see that. You'll see that in, in some bullpens um, or a body blade um, to get the shoulder loosened up. So you'll see a multitude of different things. It just, I guess, whatever you feel like is important or where, whatever your background is, that's what you're going to, that's what you're going to do. Sure. Um, and like, if you would, if you would recommend this for like a, someone in youth, you know, or someone like in, in younger programs, I know you said like one of the fun, you know, best times for you was like that 14 U group and those kind of things. Like, what would you, what, what have you seen that that could more could be implemented? Like they say, look, if you're going to do anything, do these three, four things. Yeah, I would definitely always do that some sort of either crossover symmetry or, or jigger bands. I mean, I, probably the jigger bands are the most economical and um, most efficient way. Like I don't see it like even I know Joel's, you know, I know you talked to Joel Mitchell. I know those guys did a ton of stuff like that, mm -hmm. but I would certainly at the very, very least if I was a thrower, especially a pitcher, but even if I was a shortstop or a catcher, you know, any mm -hmm. positional player, you know, you have a set of Jagger bands that you can put in your bag that costs 35 bucks and you can learn the routine or print off the PDF. And, you know, when I was at Mercersburg, we printed the PDFs off and just laminated them and hung them on the fence. I mean, mm -hmm. so that those guys knew the, the, you know, the exercises that you wanted to do every day, you know, prior to throwing. And I've seen, you know, be able to use some post throwing too, you know, whatever exercises you're going to designate as um, to do after you throw. Um, so, 
I do like crossover symmetry because they have a, a free throw and a post throw kind of activity. You know, it's all designed out with the different weighted bands and, you know, those are a little more expensive, but I, we've used those for 10, 12 years. Mm-hmm. So definitely with like the pre-throwing and post-throwing stuff. And then, you know, any, are you a big in the long toss? Do you like the long toss? Do you like guys that just stay with like the mound in the, in the 60 feet? Um, are you more of a progression like Tom held, you know, sticking with his progressions? And, you know, what do you like to do with that cycle? Well, I mean – Tom, well, Tom was more. He he does a lot of a lot of draw work, but he does extreme long toss, right? I mean, just mm-hmm. he'll let him throw, just open it up. Um, I've been I've been a fan of that. I've been a fan of extreme long toss. So guys, they want to let it go, you know, depending on how they feel, you know, see if they can throw it over the fence, you know, from the foul lines um, once they get going, you know, especially on training days or you know couple of days after they throw or, you know, when they are starting to get, you know, in the summer times when they get loosened up, I like, I like to see the long toss. I don't like, I've never been a, like a huge fan of just how you can only go 120 feet and you can't yeah. arc it, you know, just let it go. See what your body does. Mm-hmm. And I, we've seen like that. That's, I mean, those are the, the guys that developed the velocity for us at ball state. Although we might not have known exactly what we were doing, but we did a lot of long toss and a lot of throwing. And it seemed like guys threw harder. So it seemed like that worked. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you'd like to do like, I guess, depending on the kid, you know, you're looking at the next day or like two days after they've thrown. When you're saying when they've thrown, you're talking off the mound in a live setting, like I said, inner squad game in a game, you know, mm-hmm. high intent bullpen kind of day. High intent bullpen or maybe a little long. Yes. Definitely, definitely one session somewhere that they're going to get after and 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 work on whatever it is they need to work on. I mean, mm-hmm. are they going to spin more breaking balls that day? Are they going to locate more fastballs? Are they going to throw more changeups? But something where they get really hot. Um, they've spent a lot of time in dynamic warm up, band work, shoulder tube. Okay, now we're going. You know, we're going full bore and make it intense. Make it in game. Make it game like. You know, um, have a hitter stand in. I like hitter standing in a lot. Um, it helps the hitters, but it also just gives a pitcher a more realistic look mm-hmm. in the bullpen on what that looks like. Uh, or, you know, put the plastic hitter in. That's always – that can be okay. Every once in a while, that'll hit the plastic hit, hitter and ricochet and hit the catcher. I don't like that so much. So, <laughs> uh, um, But, that, that you know, if you got guys that are throwing pretty good, though, they won't hit the – yeah, they won't they won't hit the plastic guy too much. So you've all you know you've talked about you know, I guess uh, developing the third pitch too. Um, you know, what are some great ways that you like to help guys? I know like that I guess to help guys develop the curveball or develop the changeup. Like, do you have a certain progression, certain type of drill series, just sets, or just showing some grips and say throw it as much? Here's what here's here's what it should do. I know a lot of guys right now just say like throwing the rap soda. We want to see this and that. Uh, what do you like to do as like trying to develop that 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 second third pitch? Well, specifically to change up the curveball is a little bit different, but I'll, I'll, specifically to change up is again once again encouraging to throw it. But but I, I do like them. Um, you know when guys are playing long toss, I like them to be able to throw that change up at 70, 80 feet. And still, okay, we're going to throw, 
um, into the into the guy's cup with arm speed at 80 feet and see if you can get your arm speed to look like fastballs, but then, you know, with your grip, take, take some velocity off. You know, grips are, you know, the grips are, um, you know, to each his own. I mean, I certainly have a foundational grip that I like to use. I had a really good changeup. Yeah. So I'll show them that first. But, you know, some guys are, you know, screwball change-ups where they're really, you know, getting their hand inside the ball. You know, some guys are more pitchfork change-ups where they're getting their hand behind the ball. Um, some guys can never feel it for whatever reason. You know, they just might not have good change-ups. They might throw a splitter or something like that. Um, you know, so – those are the things, figuring out a grip that's comfortable and then encouraging guys to throw it or having, you know, scripted practice times where they do throw it, especially with your pitchers. Okay, we're going to be at 80 feet right now and we're going to throw, throw these change-ups, 70 feet, whatever it is. Um, but so just especially early on, kids, kids like they won't want to throw it if it's not good. Mm-hmm. Like if, if it's not good right away, they're not – they're going to – Unless you're telling them and helping them, you know, or putting in a practice plan, they're not going to throw it. They're just not going to go out and throw it on their own. So um, just try to keep them encouraged to, to, you know, in a practice plan to throw it Um, or to, you know, talk to them regularly about it in the bullpens. The curveball is interesting because I I feel like uh, I could be, I could be dead wrong, but I feel like that's something like, I've seen guys not be allowed to throw curveballs when they're younger because it's going to hurt their arm. Mm-hmm. But then when they get older, they can't feel what they're supposed to do with the spins. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's almost like like learning a language, man. Like you, could, the sooner you can feel the spins, and you can maybe if you have a younger kid who does spin it pretty good, you know you got to monitor that. But you know, I feel like learning to spin is something that those kids pick up sooner than later. I mean, I had a kid at Michigan throw like 95, but could not throw a breaking pitch. Mm. And that's like the worst, that's the worst kind of kid to coach because this kid throws as good as anybody that you have, but you cannot, he can't spin a, a breaking ball. And so he, therefore he can't get anybody out. Right. So everybody's frustrated the player's frustrated. The head coach is frustrated. This guy throws 95 and can't get nobody up. So he mm. can't spin a breaking pitch. You know, he doesn't, he can, you know. So that's, um, so, I don't know. I ended up with a son that had Tommy John surgery, so I might not be the best guy to ask. But <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we want him to spin it. And then, you know, like, I, so I've come across some kids who, or, or throw and have pretty good spin with their breaking balls, but they just want to, they don't want to throw them hard. Like, dude, if you got a curveball with good spin, throw it hard. And especially early on for the first, till you get to college. And even in college, you know, if you throw it with good spin near the plate with good arm speed, guys are going to swing swing at that pitch. Yeah. I mean, it's just we come in and it's going to hit behind the plate and guys will swing at that. So throw it hard and, um, you know, don't baby it. Now, you know, so that's what, that's what I got on that. Yeah. That's good. 
So, like, you've seen all of these great players throughout this, you know, and you've got a kid, at, you know, you got one of your sons at WVU now, and, you know, and through all your time from Ball State and your time with the Giants, you know, your time at Mercersburg, all this time in between, you know, with the Aces now. And what have you seen that all these great players have in common? What have you seen that the talent, you know, when you're looking at the, you know, I'm sure you have like, great guys that you can see here and there at these levels. What did they all have in common? Well, I mean, th- I mean, it's all varied, but all of them certainly had great skill. Sure. Um, but there was, and you, for them all, you know, many of them were, were just great competitors. I mean, there, you know, you have good players that don't work hard. You know, I always thought like when you went to high school or you went to college, everybody's going to care about it um, as much as you do or everybody's going to work hard. I think each level you go, there's still like proportionally the same amount of kids who really care about it um, and really do whatever they can to get themselves better. And then there's a group that's, you know, they'll do what they're told and there's a group that doesn't care. But yeah, so that but the really good ones are the ones who are you know, they're going to take information that you give them and, and, and try to use it, or they're going to ask you questions on why, why I should, you know, why am I doing this? But they're also, they're, they're going to, they're just going to work hard. I mean, they're going to, they're, they're showing up early or staying late. They're taking extra ground balls or taking more swings. And really in today's day and age, this wasn't so much a thing when, you know, 15 years ago when I was coaching, but like guys are starting to sleep better. You know, they might wear, you know, might wear whoop bands um, to monitor their sleep or their, their, how much exertion they're putting out. They're certainly trying to eat better. Um, they're starting to hydrate better. Um, I think they're starting to understand the significance of having some sort of mental game. You know, um, how are they going to, you know, um, recover from failure mentally? You know, mm-hmm. they just want to go in a tank or they just want to be able to, you know, get onto the next pitch. You know, the TCU, um, we went to watch them play at Penn State a couple of years ago. Um, and all his coach ever said, you know, they in the in so what next pitch, you know, have a bad play, got to go to the next play. So what are our routines to, to do that? Um all Coach Schloss ever said in the dugout was, you know, to the pitchers, was make them swing, you know, make them swing, make the hitter swing, make them swing. He said that for nine straight innings. I said about 20 feet from him. Listen to him say that. I mean, just never too high, never too low, but just so I think a combination of um, all those things um, train, they're starting, you know, obviously they're training, training well mm-hmm. um, in the weight room. You know, they're not skipping sets in the weight room. They're not coming to the weight room you know, hungover. Um, so those kind of things, I think, are what separating the great players. And if you don't do that, like, if you don't do all those things and have good talent, you're probably just going to, you know, you're certainly not going to play it in the Big 12. I mean, it, yeah. I mean there's too many, good, too many good players. Sure. Well, like, I, I know that all these different stops you you have, you know, you haven't always had just great players, you know, like it has to been some of what you've done to hold your standard, bring in your standard, you know, 
create a culture say, Hey man, we're going to compete here for championships. Um, you know, at each of your stops, you know, so like, how do you do that? You know, people talk a lot about culture right now and things like that, but like you've done that at almost every step that you've done. How are you, how are you able to do that? Is there anything specific that you do that kind of brings people up to the level that you're expecting? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think, well, and this would be, I mean, we're talking to the choir here in this podcast, but like, I think if you're prepared, right. Um, if, if the kids know that you're prepared um, and that you have a plan and that you really are, um, you know, um, not adamant, but you, you're passionate about what, what you're teaching, what you're doing, you're, you're, you're ready every day to go. You have something, you know, maybe not new every day, but you, you have a thought each day that sort of builds on, on those things. Um, then you're going to get some buy-in um, from your players. Um, so, you know, your routines are in a, in a way that they, they know when they come to practice that you're, we're going to do these things. We're going to have these kind of expectations. We're going to stretch a certain way. We're going to play catch a certain way. We're going to run the bases a certain way. We're going to speak to adults a certain way. We're going to clean up a dugout a certain way. You know, all these little things, I think they add up. And I think the players feel good about knowing um, what to expect um, when they come to practice. And I think that really, that really helps them. Um, so it's just a lot of things that over the years, I mean, from, I don't know. I mean, I, I got to sit one, one, one time at a, at a, at a East coast showcase for one straight week right beside Tim Corbin and just listen to him talk about stuff. And then as time went on and, you know, seeing this is before the Vanderbilt was Vanderbilt. He had just become a coach there. Um, but just paying attention to the kind of stuff that, you know, he's done over the years or, you know, any, any good college coach, um, just trying to add small things each year um, from better practice plans to better batting practice to better um, fun things like this one came from um, from Brian Kane, who's a the, you know the, the mental coach guy, but just like things like you know having a um, a yellow jersey like a tour to like a tour de France you know a tour defense. You know, a guy who makes the best play of the day uh, in practice, you know, he's going to wear the yellow jersey in practice the next day. So just, mm -hmm. you know, getting a shirt made that, you know, that says, hey, we, we care about this stuff. Um, you know, I don't know if this, I don't know if it's legal or illegal, but I, I, I would, um, it started off as um, McDonald's gift certificates, but ended up being $2 bills. I, I put money on the fence in the dugout. If a guy gets hit by a pitch, um, he gets to take a $2 bill off the fence, nice. you know? So just things where like, I value that and I'm going to put my money where my mouth is, uh, you know, you, you spin a bad breaking ball um, or on right on right or left on left and you're going to get two bucks for it. Yeah. Um, so just all those kind of things, maintaining, um, you know, making your facilities better, um, 
caring about your facilities, the way they look, you know, the, the, the playing surface, caring about um, the kind of, even the kind of screens that you have for batting practice, um, you know, bi-narrow screens. I mean, this is, this has been around forever, but bi-narrow screens for throwing on the field. So more balls get put in play during BP and, sure. you, know, you know, pitch scrimmages. That's good. Um, have, have nice uniforms. Um, you know, have the players, you know, have relationship with the players, you know, try to get to know them, try to get to understand where they're coming from, understand, um, you know, if you got a kid, you know, some guys will like to hoot and holler and scream, you know, yell a lot. If you have a kid who's, who has been yelled, yelled at a lot in his house growing up, like he doesn't want to be yelled at and nor should he be yelled at, you know, just so just sort of knowing where the kids are coming from. But we, well. How was that experience we, for you? Like you spent a, you spent a lot of time like being pitching coach, things like that and being assistant coach. And then when you made the transition, heck, like, how did that change for you? Did that change at all? Or is that something you still stayed true to to try to have those relationships? Um, well, it's certainly different being a head coach than right. being an assistant coach. I mean, there's no question about that. I don't yeah. care. Even from high school to, you know, college, it's just different. But um, I think communicating um, as best you can early on um, to parents, to players, um, expectations for the year, how we, how we want to communicate with one another. I think that sets a good precedent. Mike Franklin um, mm. at Catoctin really helped me with that a lot, especially my second year after my first year of coaching. I didn't have any idea what I was doing. I needed to make sure I was communicating in a way to the parents and the players. They knew where we were coming from. But then ultimately communicating with the players, everything's going through the players and communication a lot, you know. So I do like I do like people and I do like parents, but I try to stay away from them as a head coach just as much as possible. Um, just because there's so many things going on. Mm -hmm. I just, just want to make sure that the players are communi communicated with. If you communicate with those guys, um, very frequently, you know, especially preseason set expectations and then just talk out through it through the year. You know, maybe you have a batting practice, you know, one day you're sort of laid back and you just sort of chat with the guy just to, just to know that, um, you know, he knows you're thinking about him. You know, that helps a lot. It helps that that helps with a lot of issues. Um, I don't know if that answers the question or not, but, so isn't everything about relation? I mean, everything's about relationships and communication. I mean, if you if you can have a good solid foundation um, relationally, what relationship wise, and then communicate those things, and it's like a marriage. You know, those typically when you're communicating, you feel like you're having a better better relationship. And then I think, you know, there's no surprises. Um, I mean, there's no surprises from the players. And especially when you have a lot of good players, if you have nine, you know, 10, 12 guys and those bottom three or four guys think they should be playing a lot. You got to really make sure you're communicating with them. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's why it's, it's just, you, 
you continue to go down these lists of all these things you've done because it just just goes to show why you've been successful at all these different at all your stops you know i mean so you these are just things that you do and yeah they seem very very simple to you and at the same time some people have no idea how to do them and um but yeah, yeah. mike franklin man so, he's a freaking dude man yeah so mike so mike franklin so i, I wrote down like I, I read all your all your notes that you sent me and i wrote a bunch of stuff down so yeah like if so mike franklin um seek so seek seek counsel yeah um as a coach right and then just listen just listen to what those guys are saying and then and then eventually you have a discussion but let them let them always finish what they're saying and then maybe let it sink in before before you reply but tom held obviously you know you've had a couple of these guys on um joe mike franklin cal bailey you know i don't know cal bailey is a west virginia um college legendary coach he just passed away last march Mm -hmm. um but you could call that guy up and he would talk to you for an hour hour and a half i try to do that once you know once sometimes it's once a month sometimes it's once every couple months you know my father certainly has a lot of wisdom but just just seek out information and then make it usable for you know for what you do um and then that seems like a a good way to go about it, I imagine. Absolutely. And then for guys who, you know, maybe don't have a bunch of relationships built up, I know sometimes in the in the baseball world, you just call somebody or send somebody an email and they yep. will certainly they will talk to you. You know that very well. Yep. I mean it's it is that's what's great. That's the thing that's, I think that's what the best thing about our game. You know, and yeah, I'm biased to and I've never been to a football convention or a basketball convention and but I mean, for all the guys that, that we know that's there, they're, they're just thankful for people to share and how much they do share. Uh, it's just pretty incredible about baseball coaches. Without, without question. Yeah, man. Um, and there's so much, like, there's so many cool things. Like, sometimes it's bad, but there's so, like, just so much good stuff on Twitter. If you can decipher it out, um, you know, you can always shoot everybody's a, a direct message away, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if they want to respond, so, absolutely they are. Yeah, that's, you know? that's right. But I think I, I, one of the hardest things now is just a matter of, like, I think you said, you hit the nail on the head where you said, make it usable for you, you know, and make okay. it manageable. You know, you've got to be able to manage it, you know. Like, I know, like, for me, like, I'll, I'll try anything, you know, and at the same time, like, you almost try too much, you know, and trying to be like Tom, you know, like Coach Hell. Like, I've always loved him. Like, he's tried different things, but, like, he's been true to that three-ball system for – and it works, you know, and it, things have come along and he's like, all right, I'll take a look. But then he stays true to what he does. And, you know, cause I, I think he's, there's a lot of that with, with social media and that's with every, I think with social media, even just over and socially, like there's a fear of missing out, like getting on Facebook or Twitter, like what's going on, you know, <laughs> so that fear of missing yeah, out. Yeah. But that, that, that can make you nervous, make you anxious. I mean, that's just, just so much stuff. Tom might've done Tom held, did what driveline did like he probably did it 10 years before yeah in some ways i mean if you look at like the number not just the kids from his high school but the kids from his county it's almost like it's it's an outlier on how many professional players they've had from that part of the country 
Um, I know he's had the three big leaguers, but there's been other big leaguers from kids within within 25, 30 miles of him sure. who have benefited from what he's done, and everybody's benefited in the in that area. But it's mm-hmm. it's nuts. He's he's good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. Well, man, dude, this is this has been awesome, man. Like it's always been a pleasure, man. Just to be like I said, like you said, sit. Coach Lowry, go ahead and tell us what you, you know, like it's, it's always been a guy. I knew you'd be great. And, uh, you know, I'm glad I'm the guy except one. I wanted to say thanks to, you know, because of you, I get to talk to guys like Tom Held and Joel Mishler. That was, that was, you were the reason for that. So I wanted to say thank you for that, for sure. You know, I appreciate that. Knowing those guys and, and being able to have that relationship with them through you. And it's always been a great, I'll never, never forget one of our first conversations, Texas Roadhouse. And we go over uh, one pitch warrior. We talked about that guy. We talked yeah. about all his stuff. We've talked about uh, – oh, man, we, we talked a lot about his stuff. I, t- I took – and that was a big-time conversation. Um, but, yeah. But he got it figured out too, doesn't he? Yeah, He's, he does. He put his he, – he made it very usable and marketable. He did. Um, he did. So that, that's, that's sort of what I, I, I like to, you know, f- just find something systematic that you really, you really believe in. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and, and just go with it. Yeah. And at base two, that's a base two quality bats. That's and those things are hard to, I mean, they're hard to, they're pretty foolproof. They're, yeah, if you can I'll get them and you get kids to buy in they're. I mean, it's, it's tough. It's their good. It's good stuff. Yeah. Sure. So I appreciate you. Let me, let me talk. I'm glad, um, glad we can do it. Hope something, there's something usable there and feel free to, Reach out anytime, man. Coach John Lowry Jr. Just giving some great information. Just want to thank him for joining us here on the podcast. Uh, if you haven't yet shared it, just please share it. Um, anybody who might be looking for some more information, uh, we're just all about development, all about trying to help kids get better, all about trying to grow the game. So I just love a lot of. A couple of things he said said are at the end. He had to run down some things and really get about down to some great nuggets of information. A lot of the uh, tidbits. I, me- I remember him telling me about his McDonald's um, gift certificates. You know, McDonald's used to have a little coupon book, and he he got a couple of those, and that's how he would pay guys, different guys, to incentivize what he was doing. Um, you know, but it all comes down to just being able, like he said, is praising what you want and drawing attention and, and draw to those great things that are happening in the game that we want them to do. The more we do that, the more they want to get that praise. Um, having expectations in order, having routines in order, preparing yourself, preparing, having a purpose for things, that's what people get buy-in. And, and, and that's in everything. That's not just baseball. That's in everything. Um, talking about communication and setting expectations. These are great things. Like you said, even just in a marriage, those are great things. So um, he really got down to some great, great things, and he always, he always does. He always gets down to some great knowledge, and uh, he's passing down from, um, always passing his information down, and he's always willing to share. But I loved how uh, even he talked about how the better players, you know, they are prepared. Of course, they have great skill, but they just seem to have a better mentality. More guys now are starting to sleep better. They're starting to eat better. They're just doing the things that great players do, and they're mature. Uh, we've heard a couple guys in the podcast talk about even just maturity. I know Bush Chapin talked about that, is being able to get maturity into 
into our players. You know, maturity can stop with a start with a choice. It's a choice to put your phone down and go to sleep. It's a choice to put what put in your something in your mouth and prepare for your food. Uh, those are great things, and we all know. But it's just it's just harder to do those things, and uh, but it's the it's the right call. And um, love how he talked about he wants pitchers to be aggressively teaching them how to fail. And uh, he's definitely an, uh, not a, a very controlling. You know, you watch him; he has his expectations, but he lets his guys. Know, he he definitely practices what he preaches and allows guys to have that opportunity to learn through their failure. Um, and so, I hope you enjoy the conversation. It's another one I I, I love to bring. It's a, another reason why I chose to do the podcast because I've been fortunate to have multiple of those conversations with Coach Lowry Jr. and um, and just really fortunate and. To have the pleasure to know him, and you know that he's able to be willing enough to share his insight. So again, share the podcast. Let me know if you have any feedback or anything that you'd like me to you like to see better in podcast. Um, I'll be always willing to look uh, looking to grow. So um, I want to again thank you for those who came. Thank you, Coach Lowry Jr. And keep getting better. <laughs>